Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. And what's up, everybody? I hope you're all having a great week so far. I'm so excited for today because we have two of my favorite humans, Ziad and Shina from Juv Consulting, and they're just incredible. And Juve Consulting is just this really cool company, and they do a lot of stuff centered around Gen Z and so much more they're just so cool like everything they do so if you like hanging out if you like controlled chaos this episode is for you so grab a snack grab a seat grab a notepad and let's get into today's episode see ya shina welcome to the show how are you guys doing all right thank you so much for having us excited to be here besties pod today yeah excited excited to be here thanks for having us my friend um before we get started we always do the question of what the term young influential means to you and there's no right or wrong. Not China. Oh! I don't know why I just got dragged. The podcast just started. That is insane. For Zia to have done. I'm waiting for an answer, China. You want me to go first? I mean, I already answered. I mean, I just want to acknowledge that that was Zia's final answer. Like, that is something to keep in mind. I don't know. Influential to me means... Um, young influential, not young just influential. Young influential. <laughs> well, also not Zia. What's a not, honestly, not, well, comprehension? That's crazy. I didn't hear the first part of it. But to be fair, I would say not Zia then, because girl, then we're on the same page if this is the game he wants to play. Young influential to me um, is just someone who is empowered by whatever they believe in and, and their ethos, and they're able to articulate their own perspective as a young person living in a very complicated space and world right now. So I have a lot of admiration for the people who are everyday young influentials, more so than those that have social following and the typical markers that we highlight as a way of saying you've quote-unquote made it. So I feel a lot of respect for people who have, in my day-to-day life, really left an impact on me, and and even in their small conversations. So I would say a young influential is just someone who makes me think a little bit differently in my everyday life. Yeah, I think I would build on that and say that I think young influentials are those who reject society's expectation of what we get to be as a young person, right? I think oftentimes as young people are put into 
you know, square pegs, right? And we're, we're, trying, we're pigeonholed right into believing that we can only be so much or so big or so bold. And I think to me where I find a lot of hope and inspiration is when I see young people say, no, we get to be bigger and bolder and braver than what they tell us that we get to be, right? And I think that we're seeing people do that in their day-to-day private lives. We're seeing people do that on social media. We're seeing people do that in activism. We're seeing people do that in entrepreneurship. And I think that as a society, we are always bettered. We are always enriched. When people throw throughout society's expectations and instead rewrite new rules and new norms. And I think young people are doing that in really profound ways right now and subsequently, right, are this and consequently are this incredibly, we are this incredibly influential generation um, that isn't just saying we're going to break the rules, but we're rewriting rules, right? And I think there's so much power in rewriting rules and rewriting norms. uh, And I'm really proud of our cohort for doing just that. First of all, those were like both really good answers. And now I'm just like, we're done. We're done. And wrap done. it up. We're done. Okay, before we get into all the cool stuff that Juve does and everything, take us back to childhood Ziad and childhood Shina. Like, who were some of your favorite creators, like, either growing up and now? Like, we can do a mix. Yeah. So growing up, like, I was the biggest Webkins kid in the entire world. Oh my gosh, Webkins! And, like, I think, like, even, like, before, like, creator culture, like, I'm nostalgic of, like, the pre-creator culture internet. Like, my life is average.com was, like, my life. And, like, this, like, you know, text posting era, right? Of like, there was like all the websites of like fml.com and whatever it might, whatever it was. But I loved that era of the internet and Club Penguin and Webkins. And I was like very much so like an internet kid because we are sort of the age, right? That these things came out as we came of age or we could have used them. Um, and so my Webkins were my first influencers for sure. <laughs> and I had 26 of them and I cherished and loved each of them deeply. I think Puffles are like second close up there. Um, but no, I think like after that, I think I was big into YouTube, right? Big into coming home from school every single day, you know, and watching Troy and Tyler and, you know, Zoe and Alfie and all the YouTube squads, right? Squads that there were at the time. Um, And that was a big part of my daily ritual. And I think that since short form video content has made my attention span far too short to go home and watch people's vlogs that are 11 minutes long every single day. Uh, But I still see some of those characters on my timelines for sure uh, these days. But I think these days I just love seeing so many creators who are taking up that space and not just accepting what society tells them that they can be and providing meaningful representation to their communities, right, to the issues that they care about. And I'm really grateful Right, that my younger sister is growing up in a world where, like, when we were young, there weren't any creators who looked like us, right? Who sounded like us, who had names like ours, right? And now there are people like the Mion twins who oh, do have names it. like ours, right? And that matters, right? And 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 then there's Amanda Diaz, right? And there's so many people who are championing their communities and championing causes that I think are really important. And there's also like hilarious creators like the Suniolo triplets who are just like I don't even know them personally. I just think they're hilarious and I love seeing them. My my, you know for you page and so I think there's a mix of all sorts of content but I think we're living in a moment where we're seeing a lot of voices who historically weren't heard being heard right and whether that is activist friends like my of mine like Nupal Kiyazolo and Chelsea Miller who I'm so proud of and so grateful to know right or you know any of the speakers at ZCon really right who are from all backgrounds and all ilks of life like I'm really grateful to be surrounded by a community, I think, of young, influential people um, who are pushing and who are innovating and who are creating um, in, 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 I think, really special ways. 
think for me, my first wave of internet influencing was being a gamer girl, but definitely not in the way that we do gaming. (laughs) As I was saying, definitely not in the way that we would do gaming today. Um, And that is the peak of girlsgogames.com. It was the Bratz, Barbie, and what's the uh, the last one? My scene. Oh my God. My scene was like my scene. Are you kidding? I felt like I was vicariously living through them. Um, Build-A-Bear. I would buy all the characters just so I could play online. Toontown. Online. Yeah, I had oh, literally, I had like fifteen build, like fifteen. Why didn't you use webcams like everybody else? That uh, <laughs> was in Canada. I'm gonna say it was a different market. It was a different market segment. So we okay, were marketing not, 101. We were not using webcams there. I did not know what webcams were until I got to the back to the U.S. in the fifth grade. So um, then I realized people really love webcams. So love it was and Club but, Penguin and Club Penguin. We did have that in Canada. You Pop Tropica. <laughs> Pop Tropica. We had that too. Um, but I think that was like the first iteration of actually getting to interact with people who weren't just in your IRL spaces. And we talk a lot about this idea of being digital at Juve and what the, what it means to merge the physical and the digital. And how that really culminated for me was when I was 15 and I started my One Direction fan page. And similar yes. to what Ziad said, the only reason I was interested in One Direction was because I saw the name Zayn Malik. And it was the first time I'd, na- I'd seen a name that sounded Pakistani. And I was a young Pakistani girl. And I was like, what? There's like a brown boy in a boy band? I need to know more. And he's kind of cute. Like, what's going on? So it was the first time that I really invested myself deeply in internet culture and I would make memes and fan edits and I would my Tumblr post go was viral everything. Tumblr was uh, everything I was not a Tumblr girl per se I was definitely an Instagram fan page kind of girl but it was really interesting just to see how much cross how much posting happened across platform and your Instagram post could go on Tumblr and get a lot of notes and replies if I think they were called notes at the time yeah, yeah, on yeah. Tumblr yeah, but yeah. Um, all of it to say that it was really interesting for me for the first time to see what an internet friend could be like and I even got to meet some of my Twitter friends and Instagram friends in person um, and they were like other Muslim girls like me that all bonded over the fact that we had the same common interests but also a lot of the same lived experiences that I wouldn't necessarily have been able to have um, showcased before so I I feel really grateful to have at least been an OG fangirl now I'm like I can't keep up with K-pop and Delulu and stands and anything because I feel so much older at 23 but um, that I, I hold a lot of pride in it, and now I get to work in marketing, and I think similar to what Ziad was saying about how we're seeing creator culture shift now is that my YouTube watching history is, unlike what it used to be before, is like that of like a 14-year-old boy. It's like insane that this is a type of content I consume because it's, it's what I find funny and humorous and lighthearted, especially at a time where things can feel so intense and as young people that are on social and digital, we don't have the ability to just turn away from our phones. We're overstimulated constantly, but I think part of that is that we are actively choosing to be overstimulated or be knowledgeable and acknowledge what's happening in the world because you can't just say ignorance is bliss um, when you have that type of privilege to be able to be educated. Um, and the some of the my my the one group that I will shout out is the Beta Squad on YouTube. They're a group of British, you know, YouTubers. Clearly, I have a thing for British <laughs> folks. <laughs> making content and 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 creating content but um i think that it's really interesting to see what it looks like to create a content as a collective and as a community and i think they really exemplify that and like nothing makes me laugh more than seeing chunks's ad libs in a youtube video so i have a lot of love for getting to see that online um and to also see like a group of you know like young black like men that are just creating content and, and being really unfiltered and unapologetic and it's a testament to how they're able to build a community and a following and I think it's really exciting um, to see people like that be in the limelight. I love that and speaking of just YouTube and stuff it's almost December so it's like vlogmas is coming I've been I'm waiting for everybody's vlogmas videos 
I can still watch those for like. Still make, I didn't even know they did people that. People still make vlogmas videos. People still make vlogmas. I can watch those. Wait, like you know what I used to like love when we were growing up? It was like Kingsley's, like. Um, oh my god! What was it called? Uh, I don't even remember. But yeah. he would like just rank things from the year. Yeah. But it had a name. It had a name. But I, I know what you're talking about. Like he, oh, he would like rank, and it was like it was like a hundred things. Yeah. He would go through like a Christmas hat. He would go through like a hundred trends, like that, and the hundred things and rank them from the year. But I used to love those videos. Oh, it was a trend report before a trend report. Yeah. And, and that was cultural Ooh, no, caching. Kingsley should have started, 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 started Juve Consulting. Oh no, we, we owe our legacy to two people. Kingsley and True Jackson VP. Oh, my God. I mean, we are her. Like, That's true. Facts. Yeah. She, we are her. Kiki is everything. Yeah. Uh, what a moment. But speaking of social, how did you guys like learn more about it? Was it something you guys studied? Or how did you start to like learn more about like it from a marketing standpoint and start like utilizing it more? I mean, I think that we take the position that the expert on any reality is the person closest to that reality, right? And I think oftentimes we create architectures of studying because the people who are doing the studying are outside of the thing that they are trying to understand, right? Where our goal is to platform the people who are inside of the thing that we're trying to understand, right? So I think that there are so many diverse young people who do not need to study social media because they are social media, right? They are the beating heart of these digital ecosystems who are creating the trends, the cultural movements, the conversations that are defining popular culture and public discourse. And so I think for us, like our studying was creating fan accounts at 11 years old, right? Like was being sort of chronically online right before the terms extremely online TM Taylor Lorenz, <laughs> right? And right and chronically and chronically online existed, right? And I think that I always say like nowadays, like I don't always enjoy going to parties because I enjoy going to parties. Like I enjoy going to parties because it's anthropologically interesting to me to like watch people have fun. I right? love people watching. Yeah, I love people watching, right? But like the internet is like an endless site of anthropology, an endless site of people watching, right? And so I think for us We've spent a lot of time both using, but then scrutinizing, scrutinizing and analyzing our own consumption, right? And so I think that it's critical in this work. I think so often why a lot of marketing is done poorly is because people are just studying and not consuming or producing organically. And I think that why we're good at what we do is because we're native to platform, both as consumers and as producers, right? And have I done some level of academic research? Sure, yes, on social media and social me media's impact on policy making, that's what I wrote my thesis on in college and whatnot. Sure, yes. I don't think that's really what makes me better at my job. I think what makes me better at my job is that I'm curious and I love being on the internet, right? And I love talking to people and I love asking questions and going down a rabbit hole and I love trying to understand how did we get here, right? What cultural inputs resulted in this phenomenon that now society has taken has taken on. And so whenever we see a trend, whenever we see something, we're not only just observing that the trend is happening, we're asking ourselves, what is that satiating in society, right? Like, why are people itching for this thing? Like, what is it speaking to, right? And I think that that thought process is endlessly interesting, right? How did we get here and why is it interesting? Um, and so I think that's what we do a lot of. But trial and error is also a big part of this. Like, I'm not, I wasn't as good at marketing when I started. I ran this company when I was a junior in high school as I am now. <laughs> um, I think maybe it was better than I don't know. I mean, more uh, unhinged I, for sure. I, I I I know more of the jargon now. I know how to convey my ideas in a way a CMO will be more receptive to now. But I don't know that I'm actually. If the more I think about it, like actually better at marketing. I had great ideas then, and I knew a lot about social. I was closer to culture then than I am now. Um, but I know how to play the game probably a little bit better now, for better and for worse. Oh my god, I love that. 
Wait, so for all of those, to to rewind us back a little bit, for all those who are listening, can you explain, like, what Juve is and, like... How, wait, I want you to try first. Oh, my God. Not me on this one. Um, I feel like it is an agency connecting brand and Gen Z content creators. Okay, we'll take it. Shina. You're, I'll, 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 I will say that you, honestly, we do a lot, but you did a good job of talking about one part of what we do, um, but... Juve is a purpose-driven Gen Z marketing company, and we live in the ethos that we exist to empower young people. And I think you can hear that in both how Ziad and I talk about being in these spaces and understanding what it means for us to have this position in the marketplace. And essentially, we're at 30 folks full-time. We have a network of 200 independent contractors that are college kids and high school students that actually give real insights to brands, as well as a research network of 10,000 young people. But all of our work manifests as everything from understanding creator culture and actually having creators in campaigns and doing social work and social media management to actually implementing and building out campaigns up until executing out on them on a uh, long-term basis. Um, So some of our relationships have been four or five years in the making, and it's pretty incredible and surreal to realize that we're at a place now that we've been doing this for more than almost a decade, I guess, kind of. feels like a decade. It's been eight years. It's been eight years, but that's a long time. And historically, we did more insights and strategy, which we still do a ton of, but now we also do a lot to what China was talking about implementing, right? Everything from campaigns to creator to social media to events to a lot of community building, right? And as China and I will talk, right, about the way that we think about Gen Z, the way that we think about business, it comes back to community, right? For us, Juve Consulting is more of a community than it is a company. It is an excuse to hang out with our best (laughs) friends, right? And to create a community of young, influential people who we are endlessly inspired by and that we get to platform, right? So much of what we do is behind the scenes, right? It is people coming to us and saying, who are the young people, the diverse young people who who have been underrepresented in these spaces that need to be here? And it's us putting those names forward and advocating for them. And our goal as a company is to disrupt the hegemonic conversations that are happening right now by infusing and platforming diverse young voices who complicate that discussion. And thereby, we can co-create product campaigns and ideas that actually resonate with our generation. And so that's what we do as a business, right? Through research, through strategy, through co-creation and implementation, we are building products. We are building campaigns. We are building stories, right? And content that meaningfully, hopefully, tell more of our stories and make more of us feel seen, heard, and provided for. Um, And we're really proud of some of the work we've been able to do in product development specifically these days because historically, folks didn't trust us to produce, right? to do. They trusted us to like think and say and now we're getting to do more and I think that's really exciting and it shouldn't have taken me getting to 24 and having some scruff um, <laughs> and, ha- and having some millennial employees to convince people that we could do but I'm grateful now that we are getting to do and so you know, like we're doing an event tonight that we're really excited about, right, with a client, and we're, we're we're launching campaigns like seemingly every day, right, that infuse the things that we've been talking about, right. To your point, leveraging amazing creators, right, understanding our nativity of platform, uh, and hopefully doing less of the same, right, uh, because there is a lot of noise out there and a lot of really boring uh, advertising or trite stuff and, and, and we're hoping to not be that, right? We're hoping to always, I always tell my team, like I only want to put out work into the world that we would see and be like, holy shit, like who let that be greenlit, right? <laughs> like, um, and, and we want we want to do work that we would be envious of, right? That would make us stop in our scroll. Um, and so that's what we're always in pursuit of is, is, is doing work that hopefully feeds our feeds, but also feeds our souls. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. 
Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And like for, you guys mentioned like consulting with brands and stuff that come to you all. Like what does that initial conversation look like? Because I know a lot of times like brands and people are like, oh, we want to reach like this group or this group. But they like have the all these misconceptions already. So a lot of times it's hard to kind of knock those walls down and be like, okay, like, if you want us to help you, you have to, like, stop and actually let us help you and let us do our job. Like, what is, like, your guys' like, first step when trying to be like, okay, if you're trying to reach this demo of Gen Z or this demo of whatever, like, this is what you need to do. Like, what's that initial, like, conversation sound like? When we first started, the way that I often approached that was by asking people if they knew what a Finsta was. <laughs> um <laughs> And I think that, like, we don't talk about Finstas as much anymore, obviously, now, right? Finstas are sort of a thing of the past at this point. But uh, showing people what they don't know, right? We do Gen Z crash courses. A lot of brands bring us in to present about sort of our unique insights on Gen Z, our proprietary research and whatnot, and, and, and you know, our, our, our POV on where fe- the culture of content, whatever commerce is headed. Um, and the way that I think we've seen the most efficacy in, in, in legitimizing ourselves is by showcasing to them just how much they don't know, right? In terms of who the creators are, what those cultural moments are that we're obsessed with, in terms of what vocabulary we are using, what platforms we're spending time on. By showing how big, right, the literacy gap is, the more interest there is for them to close it, right? Um, and so I think we become, we, we come equipped and ready with the, the insights, the data points, the knowledge, <coughs> um, the cultural touch points that are necessary to sort of make that case that let me show you what you don't know and let me fix you let me help you fix that and then i also think in part like the truth of the matter is we're having a lot of conversations that aren't just about marketing we're talking about people's kids we're talking about the existential state that we're in as a society right we're talking about a climate crisis and catastrophe we're talking about a society that feels more disconnected than ever before while simultaneously being more connected than ever before we are talking about the stakes of humanity and I think a lot of folks work with us and lean in because they understand that we're not just another marketing agency trying to sell things. That's not really why we exist. We exist to empower diverse young voices to hopefully create a better tomorrow. And I think a lot of people right now are looking for a better tomorrow. And so the conversation becomes less about, like, tactically, how do I use TikTok? And more existentially, philosophically, ideologically, how can I be a part of the solution? How can I be a part of the change, right? 
Um, and we ask ourselves that question every single day. We don't always have good answers, <laughs> right? But yeah. I think that that's the, those are the conversations we're having. We're not just like selling like this is your cost per click, right? We're, we're like, <laughs> we are, we are right, right, we, we that, like, you know, and we do something. I mean, look, yeah, we do we, we do we've done a, a little bit of everything, paid growth, 100%. whatever. But for fundamentally, when we think of ourselves, like we're in this work because we believe in reinvention, we believe in reimagination. And I think that a lot of people are inspired or compelled by a group of diverse young people saying, we get to reimagine everything about what society looks like and sounds like. And do you want to do that with me? And they're like, maybe, yeah, maybe I should. Because they see what's happening to my kids and they deserve a better world. And I think a lot of it, it, the way that we describe our work nowadays is that it's translation work, right? That we're translating between how young people are thinking and acting and what our sentiments are, especially when things, what we say and what we act and what we believe feel like they're at moral contradictions, right? This question of like, am I doing enough? Am I really showing up for my values? Am I being intentional with what I'm doing is I think something that not only young people are reckoning with, I think everyone is feeling that pressure. It's agnostic to age. So for us, it's a matter of saying, this is how young people are feeling in the moment. We are translating this not only for what it means for your kids, but also for your PNL, also for the campaign and also for the work that you wanna do. And I think oftentimes client come, clients come to us without understanding like what is their why and what we always say is like if you can if you can't tell us in one sentence what your why is how do you expect your customers to know that how do you expect your own employees to know that and how do you expect someone to really show up for that if it's not even clear to you so sometimes we're just going really incentivize try and incentivize them to go back to the drawing board like co-create with us ask us the questions like be uncomfortable we're not claiming that we have all the right answers and there's so much volatility on what goes viral on platform and what young people are looking for but I think oftentimes the things that we forget are like the subversive discourses the things that are happening in real time and the parts of what we all love agnostic to age right we all love something that's funny on our feet or if it's humorous we like will universally enjoy that if there's something that touches on your heartstring like marketing is all about storytelling and sometimes we get the reason why I said, oh, we don't do growth marketing, like, yes, we, we do impre- we track impressions, we do full content campaigns and things of that nature, but that's not intrinsically what's driving us, right? If you have an incredible idea or if you're fundamentally reimagining or changing the way you even think about a campaign, it is going to resonate. Even if it doesn't hit all the marks that you thought it was going to do, like, Gen Z loves cringe and absurdity. How can you as a brand be a part of that conversation? <laughs> and, candid- and candidness. And candidness, yeah. Be transparent. If it didn't work out, like, you'll still get your flowers if it shows that you're intentional with why you chose to do something. And I think sometimes a fear of retribution and a fear of getting quote-unquote canceled is what holds brands back when in reality if there's a reason why you think you should be a part of a cultural conversation, you can make space for yourself to do that. Not every conversation, (laughs) but maybe for a specific one, it does make sense for you to be involved with that. And I think it's also important to like be in spaces to have those conversations together and like talk to different people, which you guys like just had a conference in LA um, with that where people were able to like meet and actually hear from Gen Z firsthand about like, hey, like this is what we think is going on. This is what you can do better. I think having those environments and spaces to really cultivate those conversations and hear different people's perspectives is so key and important. So like how did you like coming up with that event, like kind of like spark with you guys? Like how did like doing something like that? Yeah, I think for us, like ZCon is the culmination of the last eight years of this business, right? We have always been a community-first company. We have always sort of uniquely had this amazing network of young, influential people and really influential brands, right? And nonprofit partners and organizers and entrepreneurs and all sorts of folks who are sort of at the forefront of redefining commerce, culture, conversations. And 
like we've always said that like we sort of wish a camera was following us a lot round around <laughs> because right like we make a reality TV show we're here yeah uh, <laughs> but like we just sort of have this sort of so many days in our life sort of feel surreal, right? And sort of out of a script, right? Um, the people that we get to talk to and the conversations that we get to have that we feel so lucky and grateful and privileged to have that seat at the table. And that's why we're so intentional about trying to hopefully pass the mic, right? And platform more people at these tables because it shouldn't just be our voices, right? And for us, like ZCon was really bringing that to the next level, right? I started this company when I was a junior in high school because I was pissed, right? That I was at White House round tables and I was the youngest person by two decades about youth issues. And I was like, how could that be the? How could that be possible? How can I be here to talk about young people and be the only young person at the table? And, and it was a serial concern that I had in my because I started a nonprofit and I was in eighth grade around youth ad- advocacy, and I would be in spaces around youth advocacy as the only youth, and I'd be like, this can't be real, right? We have to do better than this. And I started Juve Consulting, born out of that, but still, seven and a half years later, the oldest generation Z is like twenty-seven years old. I am still going to conferences, and there are Gen Z panels without a single Gen Z on it. I mean, there's no excuse. There are way too many of us, and there are way too many of us that would be overjoyed at having access to the microphone because it's one thing that we know about Gen Z, we love to talk, right? And so, like, there, there, is, there is no excuse, right? But we're still seeing it all over the place. People starting Gen Z companies with no Gen Zers on the cap table. I mean, it, it is ludicrous, right? We believe that in any group of people that... You said I don't, I don't know if I want to say this. But I'm gonna say it anyway because that's who I am, right? Like uh, we believe that if we're that if we're ha- making policies around women's bodies, that women should be the decision makers of those decisions, right? We believe that if we're having conversations around communities of color, communities of color should drive those conversations. Like that is our politic as a company. That is our politic as a generation, right? That we believe that the expert on any reality, the person closest to that reality, believe that Gen Z is no exception to that rule, right? And that's always been true, but. We're still seeing it, and we've made a lot of, I mean, we've come a long way, right? Folks at a very high level call us to include Gen Z voices in ways that they used to not and whatnot, and we're very grateful. But ZCon was about, okay, but still, we're not where we need to be. And so let's, instead of constantly trying to ask for a seat at their table, we're going to build our own table. We're going to build our own table where Gen Z is literally and metaphorically taking center stage. And so we started the first major conference with only Gen Z speakers, right? ZCon brought to you by 16 incredible sponsors, right? And having over 30, right, incredible speakers from our generation, from a myriad of backgrounds, taking that microphone, centering their viewpoints. And they don't all agree with each other, right? They're not all a monolith, right? Um, but can, making marketing executives, the CMOs, and the audience contend with the fact that these are the voices who are often not being listened to. Right, and we talk a lot about the power of young people, but we see very little empowering of young people. And so we built a conference. We reimagined what the conference experience could look like. Instead of breaks, we had recess. Instead of a party, we had prom. Instead of a day two of more conversations, we had a day of action where we partnered with nonprofits to actually get our hands dirty and live the values that we're preaching about, right? Because there is so much talk as it relates to Gen Z values. Well, let's do it. Let's pull up our sleeves and let's live what Gen Z is asking for, which is... Gen Z wants the microphone, wants to be centered, wants to be in conversation with those who really actually have power. And we created an opportunity called Z Confrontation where CMOs could confront Gen Z about our thinking, right? but still centering Gen Z voices first and foremost. And then we can take those tensions and live them right, with partners that can actually activate against the issues that we're talking about, not in theory, but in practice. right? Um, and so ZCon was really special to us because I think it showed what we always knew was true. When Gen Z gets to set the agenda, the vibes and values are unmatched. 
right? And the energy was electric, right? And 100% of conference respondees said that they already want to go to another ZCon. And we can't wait to keep growing it because I think, and we're doing a series of Z-conversations now with various brands and partners because these conversations matter so much. Like we know that the future is intersectional. The future is intergenerational. And that if we're serious about solving any of the problems that we care about, we're going to need intersectional, intergenerational dialogue to help us get there. And we're going to need Gen Z voices to be centered in conversation and in concert with those who meaningfully have access to power right now to ultimately problem solve to where we need to be. I love that. And when you, sorry, when you said build, we build our own table, in my head I was like, what is your table made out of? Like, what kind of, like, what is your table made out of? Like, I love that question. I want to know, like, what kind of... I love that question. <laughs> this is the type of question that we would ask someone in an interview at Juve Consulting. Yeah. Like, our interview process is, like, oh, more wow. wheels or, or more doors in the world? Or a hot dog, a sandwich, or yes or no? So now I feel like I'm getting interviewed. <laughs> you know, I could be, like, it's, like, made out of, like, biodegradable <laughs> plastic or something that's, like, really unique and quirky. Um, okay, my answer will be, and I've, I've been inspired because we've done this work recently, not to give another juve plug around <laughs> our work with Coachtopia and this notion of being in a, in a circular economy and how the work that we did with them was all about reusing plastics, uh, excuse me, leather scraps of any coach bag that's then repurposed. Honestly, it looks a little, you can't see it on camera, but like a little bit like the odd shirt with all its mm. you know colors and, and, and eclecticness. So I would say my table would be made out of leftover food because the one thing that I hate is food waste and then this way the table is edible so you can't complain so it's like you convene people at the table because food brings people together and I love community building and then I'd be like okay eat the table so that is my answer for you I, yeah I, I was gonna go I, there's a few answers that came to mind for me like <laughs> I, I love this question circular economy came to mind for me for sure or like thrifting right I think that's like really important to Gen Z and and thinking about how you could make shift a table that is representative of lots of different like I think structurally when we think about tables we imagine them as one fixed surface, right, with four pegs in one height. When in reality, when we talk about equity, a, a, a legitimate table that makes us feel seen would be different heights, right? It would have many different nodes, right? Because people are coming at it from different vantage points, have different levels of access. And so you would need a multimodal table, right, that allows people to feel seen and included. And the more that I thought about it as you were talking was that, like, would a thrift store have that, right? Like, would circular economy allow for that? I like the food idea, but what I was thinking is, like, Maybe it's something as simple as like a tr- like a like it's something like in nature. It's a it's a mm. it's a tree. I know, right? Like okay. it's it's it's, 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 it's it, no, but it's, this it's is Yaz's architectural brain. Right? Right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a tree because what I was thinking about is I think one of the biggest myths that we're told as marketers or as business people is that the table can't get bigger, but if it's growing, it can, right? And so like I think we see our table like a tree, and so far as like it's still growing. We haven't decided that there's five seats and there's only five people who get to sit here. We hope the table keeps on getting bigger and we can keep pulling up more chairs. And I think that historically business was like, these are the five people, we're in charge, only us. And we're like, no, every chance we get to pull someone else on this table, we want to. And so I imagine our table is a multimodal, constantly growing table that's 3D printed and somehow biodegradable. And somehow biodegradable yeah. at the same time in a digital universe. Oh my god, like, you could have the table be like disintegrated into the ground and then you water it and then it regrows. Yeah, it's kinda like uh, a chia pet. 
like a chia pet. Oh yeah, God. yeah. Chia, I'm kind of imagining chia, chia, chia. A, like a table, like a table has a chia yeah. pet, but then it's also like webkins. Like it also like. Okay. like <laughs> now we're just no, 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 because like it should exist. It's, it's an it, NFT. No, 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 I don't like that. I don't like NFTs. I don't. I don't stand by that. I don't. I don't co-sign that one. I don't co-sign that one. No, but it's like it's like it exists in person and virtually. Yeah. Right. Like I think that it has to exist in both in both Digital. universes. And again, it comes back to access. Right. Like we're not going to be able to convene every decision maker who matters mm. in person all of the time. So how do we also configure? these tables metaphorically and literally in a digital universe, right? Uh, both physically and and, 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 and virtually. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I love that question. Yeah, that oh my question. God, restoration hardware is shaking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but if, you're, but if restoration hardware is listening, sponsor us. Like, um, for yeah. sure. I, I, if you sponsor me, I'll save restoration hardware table real fast. <laughs> uh, and then like for our final question, like for everybody who's like, oh, Zia, like Shana, you guys are so cool. Love that. They haven't met us. Uh, <laughs> um, for, <laughs> for those who are wanting to work with Gen Z and like, wanting to build like a table and like kind of use more of those voices like what should they do like right now i mean shana's probably better equipped to answer this question than i am <laughs> because what, what i always say is that i think that i i'm really wary of giving advice i center myself in my privilege first and foremost right like i have been tremendously privileged right my entire life and so me even having the gall to be like i'm gonna build my own table was informed by mountains of privilege that made me feel like i could Right, that made me feel like I should, right? Um, not in the sense that like someone else necessarily helped me like build the table for me, but in the sense of like psychologically, right? The psychological privilege of feeling like, oh, I deserve to, like I get to, right? It was huge, right? That I was in a space where like I didn't have to provide for my family, where right? I could just like go and do what I wanted to do, right? And I had a computer and I had access to resources, right? Like I don't think any everybody just gets to build a table. I think that opportunity is not equally distributed right now, and it's it's not necessarily like trivial to just like create your own infrastructure to build your own community. Like I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how to pay certain bills and how to get from point A to point B in a way that I didn't have to experience, right? And so I am always very wary of giving advice because just because it worked for me probably means it won't work for you because most people are, are not born in the same circumstances that I was born into. And I'm deeply cognizant of that and that's why I'm so intentional in my work about hopefully passing the microphone and empowering those who come from different backgrounds who didn't have the same access to privilege that I did. but. What I will say is that if I could give advice to my younger self, um, because I think that's the only person I'm qualified to give advice to, is that you asked, right, like, what, what is the table made out of? Like, you don't have to know on day one. And I think oftentimes we tell ourselves, like, we need to have the whole 10-year, 20-year map to get started. Like, if you told us when we got started that we'd be here today, like, we laughed in your I had no idea. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like nowadays, they're like, oh, like, I have a $10 billion idea. I don't have a $1 idea. <laughs> like, like, I just thought something should exist in the world. And I got started with my friends in my bedroom. And I had no intention of having full-time employees or making an income off of it. Like, this was a silly little idea because I was pissed that people were talking for us and not to us. Right? And somehow we've made the table create. Right? And somehow we've made it happen. Um, and so the only thing I would tell my younger self is, I'm less concerned with what the table looks like. I'm more concerned with how badly you want to build it, right? Um, and how badly there is a seed that is worth watering. And I think we had a seed that was worth watering, and now we have a tree that's growing, right? Um, and there have been seasons of winter, let me tell you, right? It has not always <laughs> right, been blossoming with this equal velocity, but the reason it stays 
blossoming and blooming is because we continue to want to water it, is we believe in what we do. I'm thinking about this from my own personal perspective in the sense that my brother is seven years old. He's a Gen Alpha and he has a YouTube gaming channel and he like strictly only talks to his friends him. online. Yeah, Reza, Reza Gaming. He, he gave him a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he does. He'll, uh, he'll literally, he literally made me text That's my friends. Mind. It's really, you're such a hater for not saying him as your favorite creator. Uh, I mean, like I, you're I a mean, bad honestly, sister. Honestly, I, I'm going to be honest. He, he, I, I don't even understand the content that he's posting. I don't even know the games that he's playing, but I think for me, I, we're 16 years apart. I'm 23, he's seven. And when I think about the fact that they're like, why Juve exists is that fundamentally like we're here to have conversations and we're here to create spaces for people to feel like you can ask questions that you would typically not be able to have the space to do so for. And that's true for our client relationships. That's true, that's true between Gen Zers, right? When we talk to creators, they'll come to us and they'll say, like, I don't know how to do my taxes. And I don't know if I should be posting this. And I, like, don't really – my man- I don't really know what my manager does. And we're able to talk to them in a way that feels like we're their peer and we're also, like, a, someone that's actually an older figure that they can trust. I think when parents that are, you know, also a part, part of brands, like, when, when they come to us, they're asking us the same questions around – I don't understand what's happening in the world or I don't understand what my kids are doing online. And there's so many parts of that that if we were able to convene more of the same people to just even ask the same ask questions, we'd realize how often we all have the same concerns and fears rather than the fact that there is much more divisiveness than what we imagine to be real. I think we live in really incredibly polarized times. And the one thing that Juve has really been able to provide is that when people left ZCon, they said that they loved ZCon frustrations because you could ask Ziad directly a question that you would never be able to you typically be able to get an answer for. And he honestly told you his perspective as a Gen Zer. He's not the only Gen Zer, right? That that that, that has a meaningful um, opinion to share. But I think that the fact but I that I do he, have a lot of opinions. That he, he does have a lot, and not always <laughs> right. They are not always right. Um, but I think the power of even democratizing that and being able to democratize access to conversation is like the one thing that I think we as people in this industry have the agency to do. That you shouldn't just be going to your kid to figure out what Gen Z cares about, right? That we're not a monolith. And ultimately, even when we think about the agency ecosystem and how typically people want to do their work, it's that you do a six-month longitudinal study to understand research and trends when Gen Zers' trends are changing day by day. Like, there is... a, a fact that young people have always created culture, even if it is being adopted by other people. Diverse communities have always known what is going to be hot and relevant, and we don't always give that type of autonomy and agency and trust to say that we will give a diverse young person an opportunity. And I think fundamentally reimagining what it looks like to think about hierarchy, to think about conversation, and to think about risk. That at the end of the day, there are brilliant people that have opinions to share with you, and like they want to learn from you also. We are a company of Gen Zers that's majority Gen Z, and we have some millennials that, that, that make the ship run, but a lot of our Gen Zer, Gen Zers that work for us like want mentorship. They want to learn. They want to work on a campaign and really learn from their clients because this is their first gig that they've ever had. This is our first gig. Like neither of us thought we would be doing this, and here we are almost eight years later. But I think this idea that so much of what we want in our lives is oftentimes much more similar than it is dissimilar is something that we get to see in a personal and a professional capacity. And I hope that there's more 
ability for us to do that because even when I see my like Alion, my seven year old brother, go on his phone and, and use it and call people and FaceTime them and make WhatsApp accounts and God knows what else. Like <laughs> I realize how much I don't know either and I've no I've no idea what his generation is going to go through and how they're going to be shaped by COVID, how they're going to be shaped fundamentally by new technologies, the indoctrination of AI, Web three, like there is always going to be a new wave of what is happening from an innovation lens. And right now we're talking a lot about Gen Z and people are going to be asking about Gen Alpha very soon. But Juke Consulting is not here to be like, we are now going to become a Gen Alpha consulting company. Like <laughs> the, 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 uh, the point is that we believe that those will be the people that can speak authentically to their truths. But if you're a Gen Alpha and you're listening, you want a job and you turn 14, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you turn 14 and you can join the receipt. But, um, but we're not going to you know shift ourselves to what's culturally hot and relevant. And I think oftentimes brands and companies are trying to counterfeit fit themselves into what they think is a cultural conversation rather than asking themselves like is this something that's actually meaningful for me and that's what I hope we can do more of is just create more spaces to have conversations and honestly listen more than sometimes we as much as we talk because um you know you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason (laughs) and I feel very grateful that I've been able to share so much of, of of what I've been able to build and do but I also think We've had some incredible, incredible mentors and incredible allies and people that really believed in our work that have allowed us to be here today. And a lot of that is a testament to intergenerational dialogue and intergenerational community. And I think that's what we're really trying to build with Zcon and also with the future iteration of Juve. I love that. When you said LA, I thought of that video. LA, talk uh, Valentina. Talk Valentina. Oh, <laughs> talk Valentina. Oh, and shout out to Valentina on our team. We have a Valentina on our team, and she's great. <laughs> um, thank you both so much for being here and giving us so much knowledge. And shout out to Webkins wherever you yes, are. Yes, yes. No, exactly. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> they want a campaign. We're here. Zial will be your ambassador. Zial makes content. He's a content creator. He'll, he'll, mean, he'll hashtag no. ad, hashtag spawn. So. Not hashtag RN. <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Colin. Thanks for having us. This is our favorite Besties Pod, and I think this should be named the Bestie Pod. This is this. Is I actually think it should be renamed Webkins Pod. <laughs> um, Webkins brought to you by Webkins. Webkins true. But thank you so much for having us. It's Every such a treat. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> Why? Like... Okay. Bye, okay. guys. Bye. <laughs> Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. 
And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.